Forgotten Flicks remembers Maniac Cop, 1988. There's someone out there. No one knows his name. No one knows his face. Oh, no. But now, the most terrifying man in the city... Carries a badge. Edward, unstable and with a deceleration injury. His in your old hanging. You really think a cop did this? Why not? Would you automatically assume that it was a police officer instead of some lunatic dressed up like a cop? Fight squad. He'll kill again. He enjoys killing. He strikes without cause, without mercy. You may be getting information from inside the department. That means he is one of us. You see a cop, you cross to the other side of the street. You're not gonna get me. Anybody who wants to shoot a cop nowadays has got one hell of an excuse. This one is my personal life, any of your business. Since your wife was found dead in the motel room, you gotta be wrong. You wanna see the pretty picture? Hold on, I, I didn't do any of this. When a cop turns killer, you have the right to remain silent forever. Maniac Cop. Hello and welcome to Forgotten Flicks. I am Joel and I am joined, wait a minute, I am joined by, when I say the one and only, I always say that, but (laughs) this time, I think you know what I mean. I am joined by the one and only, you know, before I get to that, this is a true throwback episode. Not only are we covering 1988's <laughs> Maniac Cop. Oh, don't laugh. They'll give it away. 1988's <laughs> Maniac Cop with Bruce Campbell, of all people. We are really throwing it back, folks, because I have with me the one and only Jason Grooms. You have the right to remain silent forever. I kind of I kind of love that tagline. I'll be honest with you. I used to I, think, I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean cuz it's kind of awesome. Like I kind of want if I get pulled over and I really did something dumb which is definitely a possibility and a cop had to god forbid arrest me cuz that's pretty much my I think I'm more afraid of being going to jail than I am of death honestly. It's like the thing that scares me the most. So if it, they had to say to me, "You have the right to remain silent." forever there'd be a part of me that would go oh my god and then i'd be like that's kind of cool <laughs> but <laughs> it almost sounds like it should be the tagline for robocop like that would have yes, been the perfect- that way and i think yeah and, this, and robocop came out the year before so they had their chance <laughs> they had their chance Not so, much. Uh, well. so yes jason <laughs> we are kicking it old school my original host my original co-hostess with the mostest <laughs> is here it feels it feels like a 2000 
11 2010 episode we've got bruce campbell yes we've got tom atkins oh, i love tom uh, atkins and uh, you and I are back together. It, yeah, I know. It, it feels very old school. Like uh, it, we're in a bit of a time warp here. I know. And and, and, <laughs> I, and for those that uh, this is your first episode, well, then this means nothing to you. And sorry, then as far as you're concerned, this is a regular <laughs> show. Uh, but for everybody else, <laughs> you will know that my boy Jason here, he started the podcast with me and we did 130 episodes. So the first 130 episodes of the show is other than, you know, we had guest hosts on with us from time to time, Daryl and Peter mm-hmm. and other people. But... It's this is the Jason was there for the bulk of what exists in iTunes. So uh, more than likely, if you've gone back to listen to the past episodes, you've heard Jason. So it was uh, four. It was uh, four years. Yeah. Four years. Yeah. Because it's going to be five years in December. Right. Because the first one was was Tron. I think December 22nd, 2010 was our. Yeah, we did the Tron double feature, the original Tron. And then, of course, Tron, the. Leg- uh, legacy, D-rest or, or, yeah, legacy, legacy, legacy that's whatever, whatever the hell it was. I yeah. don't know. That's all the one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I think our third episode was our Bruce Campbell double feature of Army of Darkness and Bubba Hotep. Yep. What would Bruce do? Yes. What would Bruce do? And that that was the one yep. where uh, my my beloved kid sister managed to contact their uh, webmaster. <laughs> I think that's what the kids are calling them these days. Uh, to, to, and they and they mentioned it on the official Bruce Campbell site, and I, I think we both about peed our pants. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. He he, in fact, did not know what was happening, but oh, uh, totally. it doesn't matter. I don't care. It's just the, it's sort of like the six degrees thing, like just knowing. Like I know my mom met Steven Spielberg one time, so therefore by default, I have a connection to Steven Spielberg. You works? met Steven Spielberg. I got yeah. it. I got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will take what I can get. Damn it. So yeah, so Jason, how does it feel, man? Uh, how, how do you feel? You feeling you feeling good? You feeling all right? You feeling limber? You ready to, you ready to spar? Because I have a feeling we may disagree on this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling a little out of practice. Okay. Uh, I'll be honest. I I have been very active uh, with the movie watching lately and TV watching lately. So um, I have lots swirling around in my, my head. So that's not rusty. But I watched this, and I haven't seen. I don't think I've watched an old school horror movie in five or six months. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen a couple new ones. Uh, I watched a couple that I absolutely loved woman in black. Uh, Okay. Um, I like that one. I even like this uh, woman in black too. Although I watched, I haven't seen the sequel. I like the first one with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. I like that a lot. Yeah. It was, it was much better. He, he played a good part. It was a lot creepier, but you know, second one was still good too. It was decent premise and all that jazz. Um, but you know, I've been watching some stuff. I've been, uh, uh, going that route, but, I have not watched a lot of uh, 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not on purpose. Um, just haven't had a chance to. A couple of things in here and there, you know, Princess Bride with the kids and um, a few others. So I sat down last night to watch this. And, of course, uh, I have a new movie-watching routine, which I am now in love with. Before, all I had was the TV out in the living room, and uh, you know, I have an Apple TV set up on top with mm-hmm. my Netflix and all. So generally, when I watch movies like this, it is 10 o'clock at night, Kids are all in bed and no asleep. No pants. What? <laughs> I, my, I have my uh, my movie watching uh, snack and drink, and the wife's in the room reading, and it's by myself in the living room, and I have to wait so late. Well, I recently just got a Kindle Fire, um, and so my Netflix is on there as well as my, my mm-hmm. Amazon video, and I absolutely love it. So yeah. <laughs> now I can just plug out the world in the evening Kids are watching TV out there. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, and I'm just zoned out watching my yeah. movie. So, 
Um, I took a page out of your book because I know you watched a lot on your um, on your iPad. Yeah. Um, and so last night it was very nice to sit down and watch this almost completely uninterrupted without it being midnight. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's funny because I, I do something similar now, but I never, it's something I never thought I would do. I have watched, I think, more primarily TV shows on my yeah. phone. And I don't have the big ass iPhone 6 thing. I, you know, I have the iPhone 5S, so I have a, the smaller screen. Yep. But it's, if yep. you hold it at just the right distance, it's perfectly fine. It, it doesn't, it yep. doesn't bother me. So I've watched every episode of House of Cards on my phone. I just finished season one of The Wire. Awesome show, by the way. Oh, um, wow. And, uh, let's see what else. Cause I, cause I don't know. You have Prime, right? Yep. Yeah. And they, uh, they have all those old HBO shows on there now. So, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. That's a really good show. I, the Wire is pretty cool. <laughs> if you like a good police procedural and something that's insanely realistic, <laughs> that's a good show. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, th- sitting down to watch this, it was actually really decent quality. Yeah. I mean, for a 1988, uh-huh. uh, flick. Um, and I have never seen any of the Maniac Cops. But when you and I talked about me coming back to do a to do a guest episode, it's one that you have talked about on and off, gosh, a dozen different times uh, over those four years. So it was one that I was excited to dig into and, and kind of see what it was like. Um, so I had no expectations whatsoever. Well, Not, and, didn't know anything about it. And you and I had discussed the fact that for you to you know come back and it being a Bruce Campbell oriented movie anyway yep. seemed right yep. and the fact that Tom Atkins in it which for some reason I always forget that he, that he was in it um, <laughs> is a is but a we've bonus. Done a ton of movies with him too. Yeah, I mean, uh, Night, those Night of the Creeps is my favorite. My, Night of the Creeps is my favorite movie that he was he was in hands down. But uh, yeah. but but uh, but yeah, it um the the funny part is you mentioned that I mentioned it. Maniac Cop is sort of this weird movie because guess what? I realize as I'm watching it, I've never seen it either. I so this you've never seen any of them because there are no, three of them. I know. Right? Yeah, I, I, here's the thing: I always I had the poster from a video store, I believe, in my room for years, along with mm-hmm. some other ones, and I I always saw bits of it. And obviously, mm-hmm. being a Campbell fan, I remembered seeing, but. It was one of those, and it was always ubiquitous. It was always a part of my uh, you know, horror film loving vernacular. I remember talking to mm-hmm. other people about it, and it's almost like it got like a planted memory, <laughs> like like somebody yeah, like yeah. somebody planted a <laughs> false memory in my head because I <clears throat> thought for sure I had at least seen the first one. I know I've never seen two and three, but I, I yeah. thought for sure I had seen this movie. And as I uh, got the, actually got the Blu Ray a long time ago, um, our buddy Dave Becker. Uh, hooked me up. He had an extra one, and uh, he remember because he had, he had given me the the two, and I, I gave you the other one. Uh, yep, the, was yep. that Frankenhooker? Was that? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, yes. This, and here's the funny, funny thing is, I didn't have a Blu-ray player at that point, so I couldn't even watch. It. I was like, oh, cool, I'll take it. it's freaking Bruce Campbell movie and Maniac Cop. And again, I'm still thinking, okay, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. And, and then, but then when I went to watch it, no, I, I'm watching it, going, I don't remember this. I certainly don't remember that. And no, I don't think I've ever seen this damn movie. So you remember you remember no scenes and you're you're pretty sure you've never seen it. There was a couple of moments that seemed familiar, but my guess is it's probably some documentary I watch. Yeah, you growing up you watch all those you know hundred best horror movies of nineteen eighties. Yeah, they show clips, especially the highlight. Yes, uh, and I'm sure that's where I saw those things. Yeah, but I could I would have sworn when we would talk about it that I had seen it. But I'm telling you, I after we were watching, nope, there's no way. And the worst part is, uh, oh, and by the way, if you are in fact near the show, I'm going to do the quick version of this. Excuse me, excuse me. 
Spoiler alert, please. We'll keep it old school the whole way around. And so, the, the, yeah, we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. Uh, I almost, I've been trying something different as of recent, Jason, and I and I wonder what you mm-hmm. think. We don't have to do it. I'm gonna, I'm going to defer to you, my friend. That's all right. Yeah, tell me the rules. I, I, I'm here to follow the rules. I know, but and I, then, but and then but, I, but here's the rule. Quickly. Here's the rule. Here's the rule. Here's the rule. I don't really have a rule on this. <laughs> So I'm going to see what you think. I'm going to I want your this is this is like this is a uh, inside baseball here, okay? All right. All I right, right. have thought always we do at the end, you know, the whole okay, what do you think of almost like a review like your real true like okay, I liked it, didn't like it. But here's the thing, the reason why that's stupid, I realized of it's because we talk about the movie throughout the whole episode and it's pretty obvious. <laughs> By the end of the episode, where people fall uh, down. Sometimes, it, it sometimes is. there it, were plenty of times when it it it, uh, it shocked either you or I. So <laughs> I, I guess so, but I feel like especially you know as Peter and and Daryl and I have talked about some movies, I feel like it's pretty freaking obvious usually. And uh, we we decided to do this whole thing where it was sort of like a, you know do you, do you want to do you think people should flick yeah you know, uh, is it worth remembering or should they just forget it you know so right. and. I kind of feel like maybe doing that on the front end and then going into spoiler territory. So that way, if somebody likes this kind of movie and for whatever wacky reason actually values our opinions (laughs) on said movies, would be interested in knowing what we really think. And then they could watch it and then listen to the actual like spoiler and almost like breaking up the review piece with the the actual spoiler analysis piece. Does that make sense? All right. Hey. That sounds good to me. I can play along. Uh, yeah, because here's the thing. If it turns out that I, I really loved it, you hated it, or vice versa, then it autom- automatically creates the sense of, like, you know, not – I don't <laughs> say tension. Back and forth. Yeah, ba- back and forth. <laughs> we know where the other person is yes. coming from. Maybe that's a better way to put it. That okay, works. So you want to go for that? Uh, yeah, okay, sounds great. Because I'm down for it. Okay, so so let's let's do, like, a uh, – like, do you, you want to keep it really old school. Do you want to do a brief – synopsis like a non-spoilery one just like a quick little like <laughs> wow wow i haven't done a synopsis in so yeah. long the surprise um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll do a quick one um so uh, what city was it again i think it's new Chicago. york it's, well, i think it's new, new york, york even though i think they shot 90 percent of the movie in la <laughs> Uh, yes, it is New York because the opening scene shows the Twin Towers over yes. the uh, Hudson yes. River. Yes. Um, yeah. So basically, the gist of the entire movie is there is some cop out there murdering people. And it's not just uh, bad guys. Uh, actually, they uh, the opening is some mm-hmm. random girl uh, gets killed by this cop. And nobody knows who it is. And the there is this tension in the city because the cops want to say it wasn't a real cop. It's probably some maniac dressed up as a cop. And then the citizens are all like, nobody trusts cops because there's a cop that's out there murdering people. And, you know, there's this whole uh, tension in the city going on. In the meantime, there really is somebody out there killing people uh, dressed as a cop. Uh, in comes Bruce Campbell, who is a police officer, mm-hmm. and uh, he is uh, kind of framed or pinned as the person who is the maniac cop. Um, And he spends the remainder of his movie with his mistress um, trying to prove that he was not the one that did it uh, and stop this force of nature, this uh, maniac cop that's actually out there. Um, Spoiler alert, it is not Bruce Campbell that does it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sorry, um, but if you couldn't figure that out, then whatever. (laughs) Um, So the rest of the movie is they're trying to uh, clear his name and stop whatever this thing is. Does that sound about right? I think that is a brilliant 
summation. I tried to keep it short. Yeah, it's good. But it was good because it was like just enough plot stuff. But honestly, you watch yeah. the trailer and re- if you look at anything on this movie, you would get all of what you said. So that's perfect. That's great. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. All right so now, so that's a good movie review summation. Now, yep. I say, Jason, do you think this movie, is it worth remembering for whatever reasons you have? Or should people just get it i love how i give no middle ground there by the way just <laughs> i know there is no in between <laughs> no in between uh, <laughs> i would say uh if you are a fan of the general 1980s horrors genre that you know the slasher flick the friday the 13th the nightmare on elm streets the halloweens if that's uh, a space that you enjoy not you don't have to be a horror hound or somebody who you know goes to the crazy level of you you subscribe to Fangoria and you've got the horror posters on the wall and you know those teenagers Joel when he's teenagers yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah I got it <laughs> that's what I was getting at so, um, no but even just if you like that kind of general uh, genre I'd say it's definitely a remember um, there wasn't anything in it to me that was if I had seen it back in the 80s today I would have remembered oh my god you remember that scene where the uh, and that there's nothing in it that stood out to me, but still watching it from beginning to end, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a good retro romp through a good slasher flick, uh, that had enough action in it. It wasn't too, um, they didn't try to put too much of an emotional story and all that in it. It was just a good action packed, uh, blood fest. Uh, well, kind of, and I'll get to that in a okay. minute, but okay. I'd say, it's, I'd say it's worth remembering, okay. or at least worth rewatching. Well, this is going to probably be an extraordinarily boring episode. Sorry, folks, because I pretty much agree with what Jason just said. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. No, I, I totally thought you were going to hate it. Um, uh, no, no. I guess I, I, I a should... lot of comments about it. Uh, okay. I have a lot of oh, thoughts. I do too. Oh, I do. I think. I think I will. I will say this: those uh, those folks that uh, may not be a fan of of snark. After the view section, I don't, we'll see. Um, but that, that being said, I also agree it's worth remembering with caveats. Right. So right. I, I think that what you said, though, hits the nail on the head in that had I actual, you know, I obviously thought I saw it, but I could not have would have never been able to tell you if why, you know, what about it? Like, oh, was there any interesting kills in it? Was it a, you know, was there some kind yeah. of twist that you didn't see coming and blah, blah, blah. Not only did I not remember because I never actually saw it, but I really agree with you. If I had seen it, I don't know that I would have remembered much other than that one of the more unique aspects, the two things, was the fact that Bruce Campbell's character, Jack Forrest, the officer, is Campbell at straight up like serious. And you didn't. This is the year after Evil Dead 2 came out. And this is definitely a different Bruce Campbell than you were used to maybe even then. And and certainly would be by today's oh, standards, especially now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, especially now. There was no uh, no funny quips. There was Nothing. no you know, one liners. Yeah, it was he was a acting and trying to play the role of that yeah. police officer. And yes. uh, he was, you know, a- angry. He was sad. He was scared. It was there was no typical caricature Bruce in it at all. And Tom Atkins character, besides the fact that I just love him in anything where he especially when he's a detective because the guy 
this is like if I had to think of who I wanted to play, they had either a hard boiled or just a sort of burnout old grizzled detective type. It would be Tom Atkins like constantly. So, oh, he's the guy that I would want to investigate my murder. Yeah, I mean, even, even though he's not actually a cop in real life, I want if I'm ever killed just on the record right now, what Jason said, we want him to investigate. Yes, just I want principle. him to wear a trench coat. Yep, I want him to bend the rules just enough. Just enough. I want him to be that jaded. Uh, old cop that just uh, I'm sick of the rules yeah, kind of yeah and, when, you know? and whenever somebody has news for him he just takes a drag off his uh, Marlboro Red and goes thrill me <laughs> he just says thrill me that's all I want <laughs> yep <laughs> so yeah so we agree on that but the thing I loved about his character and I, I made this note he's hyper aware like usually in these movies the cops are all in denial and, and most of them are in this but he right off the bat He's he's very much. Why couldn't it be a cop? Of course, it's a cop. She said it was a cop. He's very. He's so smart. He's like. He's almost like he's in the wrong movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? The character like is it, like it stands out against it does. the other people in the movie because he uses yes. logic through the whole thing. He's like, well, look at the marks on her neck. There's no way those kids did that. Or you know, he goes to this right. whole. It's like, look, he's like, yo, why couldn't it be this? Why couldn't it be? Everybody around him's like, no, there's no way it could be, or it has to be such and such. And he's like, no, and here's why. And you're like, he's right. <laughs> Yeah, but but and we'll get into more. I think of of the things he sees coming a mile away that no one else does. But it's almost like he's a stand in for the audience, and I don't think that was necessarily intentional. But I liked it. Yeah, he. It, I don't know if he was necessarily a. To me, I didn't see him necessarily as a stand in for the audience mm-hmm. because there were definitely things he didn't know and kind of react to throughout. Um, but he just seemed like if as as I was watching it. I was getting all this thinking, yeah, it probably is a cop. Yep, that's probably what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Yep, that's definitely a frame job. All yeah. of those things happening, he got it all, and everybody else was just yeah. stupid. I mean, for the most part, or just, or just, or just pigheaded. Like, they didn't even want to be, uh, yes. consider and the times, obvious. And at times, kind of caricaturish. I mean, you Some, know, the, oh, the, the oh, cops in it. Oh, well, we're, we're, oh, we're so going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I will say, I, I, so the point being is that for a late 80s slasher film because that's what it is it's a slasher film with a cop as the jason Voorhees stand-in uh, although yep. another interesting thing that i right off the bat noticed is that you made the point the girl who's murdered at the beginning she's not only not a quote-unquote bad guy so it's not like he's just going and targeting a, in a vigilante sort of way like a re, you know yeah. almost like a revenge a yep. candy man or something he's yep. not even doing what the Jason Voorhees of the world did, which if you look at those old movies, especially the Friday 13th and things like that, there's this it's a it's a hyper conservative morality play. But the idea, OK, you have your premarital sex, you die, you smoke, you oh, smoke yeah. the drugs, you die, you drink the booze, you die. So anything that breaks a, a moral code, who, whosoever code that is, it, it gets you killed. This girl didn't do squat. <laughs> no, no. And neither did the other guy. Now, at one point, they made a comment um, because in the beginning, and they, they did reference this several times, but they referenced that they, he was just killing innocent people. And even at one point, the woman who plays uh, the maniac cop's girlfriend when he was normal kind of thing, <clears throat> she, oh, by, she by, the way, by the way, we're in the spoiler section now. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, that, well, we hold are. On, that was I, I actually wanted to kind of hit on these people very quickly. So you're talking about, let me make sure I got, I have her up on. Uh, Penny. Yes. It, was her name Penny? It, well, hold on. It was the actress was Sherry North. 
And okay. yeah, she she works in the office and she's somebody that uh, Tom Atkins character McCray, the detective, he doesn't really recognize. He doesn't really know she has a brace on her leg. And it turns out the, the twist, which quite honestly, I mean, my right immediately when you meet her and again, McCray noticed there's something off about her. And you're like, OK, somehow she's involved in this some way. Like you didn't know 100 percent for sure, but. Well, that's what that's the whole reason. So at one point uh, he talks. OK, so here's what happens. Um, let me let me fill in a little bit here. Bruce Campbell's wife, who he is sort of estranged from. She yes. seems kind of crazy, um, having issues, won't go to therapy, things like that. Well, someone's planting bugs in her ear that that um, her husband, Bruce, is uh, cheating on her. Right. Mm-hmm. So one day she follows him, finds him with this other girl. And uh, then she storms off like she leaves and that's the end of it. Well, well, then the next day they find her murdered in the same bed that Bruce Campbell and his mistress are in. Like a seedy hotel room. Correct. So it's this whole frame job. Well, when Tom Atkins comes in and starts investigating, he immediately says, well, this is a frame up. Of course, this isn't really him that did it. (laughs) Um, So he talks to the ex-girlfriend and says, did you tell anybody? Because, you know, it's an inside job. We think it's a cop. Did you talk to anybody? And she's like, well, no, only only uh, Sally, and she's kind of our den mother. So Atkins goes to her, and the whole visit is just a tactic for him to see if she's involved because he really doesn't need anything. And at one point, he says something. He's like, oh, yeah, and I, and I understand we have a mutual acquaintance, and I forget his girlfriend's name. It was uh, yeah. uh, uh, Teresa Mallory, right? So That sounds about right, yeah. We have a mutual acquaintance, Teresa. Yeah, she was almost killed last night, uh, but she's okay. And all of a sudden, that's when you see Penny make a kind of over-the-shoulder, uh-oh, yeah. look. And as soon as she does that, Atkins turns around and says, you know what? I'm good. I, I really don't need this material. Uh, I'll just catch up with you tomorrow. And he walks out. <laughs> That whole thing was just him testing, knowing that she was involved or figuring out whether or not she was involved. So, um, again, it was very caricature, very telegraphed that at that point you're like, okay, she's in on it. You know, yes. you know, yeah. Now, what's interesting, you point that out and it's funny. I th- and I think in, in we'll get into the, the troubles that this movie has. So to, to your point earlier, fans of. 80s horror movies, you, you can ignore a lot of this stuff. I know I did. You know, you go by it. But I didn't... I assumed he suspected something about her. But now that you're pointing out... You, like, what you're saying makes perfect sense to me. But at the time of watching it, I don't think it was very well demonstrated that McCray's character, his whole motivation in that scene was to expose this woman as being involved somehow like i don't i get it now like i and i and i assumed that yeah. he, I, th- I thought he was there for what he claimed to be there for and then started putting two and two together but mm. but to your point it makes more sense it also makes sense that the calls the wife was getting was coming from this woman but i, th- I guess it's the, yeah. it, the inherent problem though is that you don't it's not very obvious like it, and i think sometimes you just got to kind of make that stuff more obvious so people don't have to overthink it because it's a slasher movie (laughs) so yeah and it doesn't take much because um immediately after that uh spoiler uh penny gets in her car and takes off and of course um mccray follows her um because he suspects her of something now follows her all the way down to this derelict dock where he sees her interacting with the maniac cop right yes and she's talking to him clearly like she's connected to him somehow 
uh, and she's trying to reason with him about these things. And you could have added a very easy little exposition there. And she does mention, she does say that everybody thinks that he did it now. Yes. So let's yes. lay low and let that work itself out. And then we can go for the mayor and the, the commissioner and all that, which yeah. that's when they let in that this maniac cop is really after the big guys. But that whole storyline of the fact that he's after the big guys that to me lost a little bit because he was killing these innocents That's exactly for, for no reason. Yes. I don't so get you that. You could have gone two ways with this. I felt, okay, so I'm going to blow, I'm going to blow the wad here. Uh, so to speak, uh, metaphorically, idea, I hope <laughs> you hope. Um, so the whole concept is this guy was a cop at one point. Uh, he was a little bit gun happy. He was a little bit aggressive and, uh, but, the mayor and the commissioner basically railroaded him. Uh, they didn't really mention how, you know, if they framed him or just whatever. Yeah. And they put him in Sing Sing. And he was murdered by the other inmates there because he had put so many of them in there, right? And he has the best naked prison shower fight scene of all time <laughs> <laughs> where they just they kill him, they stab him and all. Uh, and this is his kind of coming back for vengeance now. Sure. Um, and so it, you could have gone two ways with it. He could have been the nondescript, just killing machine that is out there on the streets and just killing anybody uh, because that's his desire now, right? He He's aggressive. Or you could have made him more focused on going after yes. the people that wronged him because you didn't really get that until at least halfway through the movie yes, uh, or more that there was something going on yes. that the mayor had done and everything. Mm -hmm. So I would have loved to have seen it been much more of a, he starts killing underlings yes. or the detectives that helped frame him or Dick start killing, you know, the people surrounding the situation yes. and build it up to the mayor saying, Oh shit, he's coming for me. Mm -hmm. um, but in the beginning it was just a, an oaf with a uniform, just killing randomly. And, and I think, to that exact point, the problem is he doesn't have a code. If you think about it, the great villains yeah. in anything, you you don't agree with their tactics, but you you get, you understand their motivation. You don't have to agree with it to understand it, right? So you well, it's because there are it's because there are rules. Yes. So even the even the most psychotic ones or the craziest sure. movies, there are certain rules that you as a viewer, you as a as a movie watcher understand the rules sure. of what's going on yeah. and you enjoy kind of going along for the ride following and seeing what happens with those rules. Sure. Um, even going to what you said about morality tales, Friday the 13th, yeah. they're having sex, they're drinking, they're, they're vandalizing, you know, that's and bad even if stuff. You, and, and, if you, and if you want to make the argument, <clears throat> if you wanted to make the argument that the final girl in a lot of those movies typically is the one who wasn't as involved with said uh, shenanigans, <laughs> yep. she, but she's still in, in that killer's mind, a part of that group. So he may not differentiate. Now, I will grant you this, that in in a lot of the Friday the 13th movies, there are characters that do seem to get killed that probably didn't, quote unquote, deserve it under the context of they weren't really doing anything. It's like they're teenagers and they exist. And I've heard people make the argument uh, for part six, especially because that's the only one where there's little kids actually at the camp at some point. And mild spoiler alert for Friday the 13th part six, just going to lay it out there. 
Jason goes into a cabin and there's all these little kids sleeping and he actually stands over the bed of this one little girl. And I heard recently on the horror movie podcast, they did all they covered all the Friday 13th movies over several episodes. And they talked about how they question, okay, was Jason going to take those little kids out? And he just heard something and it distracted because he does hear something he turns and he goes out to check it out i'd argue no he wouldn't because i don't think that's who he he sees teenagers as a threat he has a group of people teenagers and some adults that he sees as the threat that has to be eliminated a little innocent child he's not going to screw us but if it was maniac cop yes he would just ice all those kids and that'd be the end of it yeah no and, and it's and it's even the ones who like you said the ones that are in the group that really haven't done anything yeah it's almost like to those are in his way yes or yes they know too much that's, you know yeah, it's that's sort true. of like no, that's a good point too the yeah. murderer is there to kill someone specifically but there happens to be another person in the house mm-hmm. uh you know they get killed because he can't let them go can't let them know who he was that type yeah. of thing i almost see some of those as collateral damage you know yeah, so true. but i do believe it's in a lot of them you see this you know it's a little kid no i draw the line there and that's part of what for a lot of these uh, iconic characters that we see in in the classic 80s uh, horror movies, that's what makes them at least relatable on a level from the viewer's perspective is um, you can buy into a little bit that, yeah, those people did bad. I can see they deserve mm-hmm. it, you know, but whether or not you, know, you really in real life would deserve it. I'm talking about, you know, in your movie context, but with kids, it's off the table. You but- never would believe that there's something a child, unless it's some demon child, like in, um, um, the cat, what was the Stephen King, the cat's eye, not the cat's eye. Um, oh, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Yeah, Pet Cemetery. yeah mm-hmm. I mean, that kid had turned evil. So, yeah. I mean, that's different. Yeah. Well, but I will say the one caveat, of course, to that being Freddy Krueger, since he was a child killer. <laughs> <laughs> he, well, he would be the sort exception of, that sort of proves the rule. Started. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he didn't kind of start there. I would, but uh, but again, enough. to go back to Freddy Krueger, the reason why we accept him arbitrarily killing innocents is because that's what his character is motivated by from the word go. He's that's his thing, as twisted as that is. So you again, you don't agree with it, but you understand it. Maniac Cop was a cop. So for him to kill somebody who's completely innocent and also be going after the bad guys that wronged him, it just seems almost like you got mixed motives. Because with some points, probably again, like you said, in the middle of the movie, an hour in, whatever, they somebody makes a comment that when he came back or because the whole after the whole shower scene, they go and they go to the prison and they talk to the guy who I guess was going to perform his autopsy. And he finally admits to he, he cops to the fact that the maniac cop was still alive, barely. And, you know, he ended up. He, yeah, and they even show the scene. He, yeah, they even show the scene. He listens. He can hear a little bit of a heartbeat yes. and, you know, that type of thing. And they just turned him over to his girlfriend to take away yes and, and i think that they make a comment about it, it like when he came back it was like everything he had loved and wanted to protect he now hated okay so based on that argument it makes sense him killing per- the people he was sworn to protect he now kills okay i can accept that but then why would he go after the guys who supposedly set him up you see what i'm saying yeah, it was yes it was it was mixed it's muddled. direction it's muddled yes it it was i and so there are a couple of things around that as well um, if he, cause they made him out to be before any of this happened, he was sort of a bad cop. Mm-hmm. He was yeah, well was known, brutal, but yes. And he kind of was a bad cop to begin with. And then this happens and it just kind of turned him into even a worse guy. But 
that would have made more sense if he just turned into a it was just about vengeance sure and yes they're going to be people that get in his way sure you know the secretary as he barges into a sure. uh, somebody's office maybe i get that you know because it's just in his way but <clears throat> the random girl in the beginning and then the other guy uh the second guy he kills who did nothing i mean he was they yeah. they referenced that he was a drunk driver which i thought was weird because when they recounted the people he killed they said oh he killed that waitress and that guy with those drunk driving rap or something like that it was the kid remember the kid yes. that was it with the beer in the yes um and they were you know it was just two teenagers in a car he wasn't and they, drunk they were, he just had a beer i mean they were splitting a right and so they i I didn't know were they going to go down that route and eventually say that the waitress had some criminal that, yeah, background. Okay, again, and- <laughs> that would have made sense to me. Exactly. Because right. yeah. then he's a cop gone completely demonic. Yes. Um, but he's still got the rules of the police officer with yes. punishing the bad but people. But it's gone extreme. Um, it's gone extreme. Gone extreme. So then when they went the route of the mayor and commissioner were the ones who set him up and made sure he went into Sing Sing. Mm-hmm. And the one time they even referenced this because throughout i could buy the idea that the commissioner and the mayor maybe they were you know spineless jellyfish but i can buy the fact that they genuinely put him in prison because he was doing bad things he was you know violating people's rights he killed people who shouldn't have i get that at one point his uh the mayor's assistant which he looked very familiar are you, okay now you talking was, about are you talking about that cop that has the conversation with mccray he's like a captain no. or something no 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 not him uh because i've recognized him from other movies the mayor's sidekick he looked like cameron from um oh, no i didn't Ferris bueller no he's i i'll look him up but um he looked like he's been in something else um anyway um he made some comment about Maybe they would know that you were in with the mafia or that the, you know, the, he made some reference to the fact that the mayor was in bed with the mafia. Okay. And, but that was the only time they, they referenced that. And, yeah. and I thought, well, they really could have made that a whole much bigger part of the story. Yeah. If, if yeah. the mayor was corrupt and got rid of this cop because he was too good or because he was, you know, really shutting down crime in the yes. city and that's yeah. why they want to get rid of him. But, uh, they never really forced that out. They never really played that out. No. So, um, but yeah, so the direction in it was a little, you know, sparse, but well, and, and it was actually, it was directed by William Lustig who this is interesting because he's probably the most notorious because he directed the original maniac, the one where the guy scalps the ladies and it's, oh, it's yeah, Tom yeah. Savini. It's really a very Corey movie. And, <laughs> and so he had done that one. And this was one that he also directed. He ended up directing all three Maniac Cop movies. He only has 12 directing credits, which I think is interesting. He has a, a bunch of producing credits. Uh, he yeah, also it had, like he was, uh, it seemed like he was most famous for uh, doing Maniac Cop stuff. Yeah, Maniac Cop and then Maniac, obviously, is probably, actually, I would argue, yeah. that's probably the most notorious uh, and well-known movie he did. There's also one he did called Uncle Sam, which sort of in the Maniac Cop mold makes Uncle Sam into a slasher. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember, that, came out, that came out on video in the mid-90s. I remember that. So uh, he's, kind of a, uh, he's kind of an undead Uncle Sam, though, as I recall, I don't think he's uh, he's not normal, quote unquote, looking at first. He's uh, right. and so and so he, he's he's done quite a quite a few things that uh, ha- have some notoriety. Uh, but interestingly, 
more interesting to me even than that was that it was written by Larry Cohen. Now, Larry Cohen is a prolific genre writer, and I know, Jason, you know a ton of the stuff he's done. He did, remember It's Alive about the killer baby? I think he did all oh, yeah. of those. There was two or three of them. He did, um, uh, there's a, a horror, fl- kind of a thriller type movie he did called uh, Special Effects, Cue the Winged Serpent. If you remember that oh, one, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. God told me to, <laughs> which was a very famous movie about you know people would go on these crazy killing sprees and go nuts, and when the cops ask him what happened, you know, God told me to, and it turns out there's <laughs> something that is telling them to kill and do all these things. So he's done a lot of movies. He wrote a metric butt ton. I think he's 82 credits. One of the more recent movies that I know you know, and I think you probably hated, as I recall. <laughs> Phone booth? Do you remember that with Colin Farrell? Uh, yeah, I didn't hate I it. I don't remember if it was you or someone else. I thought somebody like, absolutely hated that movie. I truly don't remember who it was. I remember no, liking I'll, it, but... I'll never watch it again. It's just... <laughs> it was just, you know, it took place in one place. The whole movie, it was that... It was right there around yeah, the phone booth, and yeah. it was just... It, it seemed to me like it would have made a really cool short story. Don't make a feature film out of yeah, it. I get was- no, it's, that's a fair, it's <laughs> a fair assessment. But he also... I. I could have sworn he was the guy who wrote it, the miniseries. And it's, a, I remember because I had this conversation not that long ago with, I think it was, oh, I know why, because uh, Peter and I covered bestseller, which was Brian Dennehy and James Woods, and Larry Cohen wrote that. And, oh, gotcha. and, and it was a movie I'd never seen with both those guys. It's actually a really decent little 80s thriller type movie. And as mm-hmm. I was doing some research on him, I'm like, Larry Cohen, he did it. But when I go, but when you go through his filmography, it's not there. However, if you go to it and go into uh, the the credits there, there is a, I think his name is Larry G. Cohen, the one who wrote Maniac Cop. I think it says Larry D. Cohen, but yet there's, I, I remember there being some, or it's Lawrence Cohen. That's what it is. This is Lawrence Cohen on IMDb, but yet there, there were similarities. Like there was something that made you go, wait. Are these the same guy? Like you, you know what I mean? Right, like they right. either shared credits. There was some reason. I remember going through and going, "I'm confused. How? Why are there two different profiles for this guy?" But anyway, did he take his name off? Or? Yeah, no, I wouldn't think so. I mean, no, you're. I mean, I don't mean to knock Maniac Cop here, but you're gonna take off Maniac Cop. I mean, leave it on Maniac Cop and take it off of it. <laughs> Take it off. Yeah. I'm just saying. With Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> right. But, but the, I po- gotcha. the point is, he guy is has done a ton of stuff. He actually has more directing credits than William Lustig. He has 20 some odd, uh, you know, directing credits. So he's done a lot of stuff, a lot of genre stuff. Uh, I think wow. he was connected to Corman back in the day. I'm pretty sure. I think he had some connection there. So, point is, prolific guy. So, the people yeah. behind this movie, uh, and actually one of the reviews, because it, it actually was a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, which. I actually found pretty surprising that critics, it was a 50%. I figured this movie... Yeah, it's a, it's, it is a middle of the road. It was not a horrible, yeah. terrible, cheesy, uh, easy to throw to the wolves like, um, uh, you know, killer clowns from outer space. Whoa, but whoa, it wasn't whoa. A, <laughs> I mean, for critics. Yeah, well, that's it's, true. Hey, it's in my library. And I watch I it every say. year. I was so. going to say. <laughs> I'm talking about for critics. Because the tomatoes, remember... The, the Rotten Tomato rating is how critics rated it. So yeah, no, but um, see, like for instance, Friday the Thirteenth has a fifty-eight percent, which I'm actually surprised by because I thought universally all quote-unquote critics hate that movie. So I I am surprised it's at that high, honestly. Wow. And although it shows that little splat thing, which I thought was bad, I thought if it's over fifty percent, 
Yeah. But no, it doesn't have a tomato. It just has a splat thing. But but yet the audience, 61%, liked this. It's actually pretty close to what the critics said. Interesting for Maniac Cop on Rotten Tomatoes, 50% critics, only 39% liked it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. And that's weird for this kind of movie. Usually it's the exact opposite, right? Usually, yeah, because things become a cult flick or sure. we have a cult following. Yes. And, yeah. But yeah. one of the one of the arguments that some critic who was who disliked it said they thought Larry Cohen should have also directed it, being that he wrote and produced it. Uh, that was oh, the argument. Yeah. Uh, now, William Lustig has a cameo in it. And I don't, I don't know if you caught it. I didn't until I, I happened to watch uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and then I also went through the trivia. So that's where I found it in one of those places. But at the the scene where the wife goes to the sleazebag hotel to catch Bruce in bed with his fellow cop yeah. girlfriend. Was he the, uh, the guy uh, at the, working at the yes, hotel? Yes, he's a clerk. He was the night clerk. <laughs> and there was another <clears throat> no i there was another cameo actually there's two other cameos that when i looked up in the the trivia one i don't even they said he was one of the detectives he must have been in the background because i don't remember him at all jake lamada the boxer i saw that i saw that in the uh in the in the credits yeah and i thought i wonder if that's the same guy yeah, it, so is. When I went I, to it, IMDb, it is according to them it is it, it said <laughs> and i thought damn um, but I didn't recognize him in the movie. I mean, I didn't no, not at all. see which one he was. Yeah. And just in case you don't know, if you know the movie Raging Bull, that's about Jake LaMotta. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he was one of the most famous, uh, uh, light, was he light heavyweight? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. I think remember. he was a light heavyweight boxer, but anyway, famous boxer from like the thirties. Um, but yeah, he was in it. And then I, of course noticed this in the IMDb after I watched it. Uh, we're talking throwback. Uh-huh. Um, Another one of those actors that has been in probably most of the movies we've covered, or at least been in more than any other, is Buck Flowers. Was Buck Flowers in this? <laughs> he is. He is credited as old man. So really, I gotta watch it again. I'm gonna have to watch it again. I had no somewhere. idea the Buckster was in this. <laughs> oh, that is that's awesome. That makes me happy. That's like a true throwback, man. That's. He, of course, he plays, I don't know, like, bum old man or something, bum right? Bum old man <laughs> drunk. That was uh, that dude owned that space. If you needed a Any bum movie. drunk guy, that Buck Flowers was your man as an Buck. actor yep, only. Yes. Yep. Or or uh, occasionally, if the time period um, uh, warranted it, he could have been an old prospector. An old, yeah, an old <laughs> prospector. Or, and I think in The Fog, he was like one of the fishermen. So he has, you know, that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. drunk old fisherman and or drunk prospector as well. <laughs> <laughs> and or, and or. So did you uh, catch the other, the other cameo was really cool. Like that one jumped out at me. I was like, oh my God, it's, it's a director. No. Okay. No, it, it was quick. During the news footage. Tell me the scene first. What's that? Okay. Yeah. Tell it, me the scene first. It, it's during the news footage. The, okay. the, um, I think it's when it's on the TV and you, you remember they interview all the different people. I think that was it. Because yeah, the, oh, I'm oh, oh, sorry. No, no. It was before the parade. It was when they, they, the guy, it's the reporter, the journalist before the parade, he's on camera and he's taught, he's setting it up. The idea that this parade's going on, even though there's a crazy cop, blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It was old, it was Ham Hands himself. <laughs> well, no, but it was, but it was, no, he was his brother. Wait, which one did we meet? Ted. Oh, okay. So it was Sam Raimi. That it was, was in that this. was actually Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah. I could. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I did notice that, and I actually rewound it and watched that little scene again. Yes. But yes. Uh, yeah, and, and I what, always forget which one we met. We met Ted. You know the one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. He had big hands that were sweaty and he had a limp, really kind of weak handshake. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Sam. Yeah, Sam Raimi was uh, he, and young, really oh, young. Yeah, he was- as did. As did Bruce Campbell. Oh, I, I know. I, I totally. I, bl- I almost didn't look at the same guy. <laughs> no, he looked even younger to me than like, and I guess probably because he gets beat up and dirty and everything. And evil dude too. Yeah. Yeah. But he just looked so childish. I mean, almost not young enough. I mean, almost not old enough to be a cop. He was you know? just, He was actually, I think he was, because I think he was born in uh, 58. So he would have been 30. When this movie, wow. when the movie came out, so he actually would have technically been probably twenty nine when they shot it. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's interesting because I'm so used to seeing him now. I think Bruce is really one of those guys who uh, Tom Atkins and uh, on the Blu-ray they do a you know ten minute interview with him, and that dude is so cool. Like he's so honest and laid back about talking about the movie and being in it. Right. And he talks about Bruce Campbell, and he only had the one scene with him. I think it was only the one scene of the interrogation room when he brings his girlfriend in and all that. Oh, right, right, right. And he said how he goes, I kind of like on a tangent, which for this show, we, we really poo-poo <laughs> tangents. But in his interview, he goes on this bit of a tangent where he talks about, he goes, and the thing about Bruce is, I really love how he's aged. Now, keep in mind, Tom Atkins is like pushing 80, okay? But he is, he's very sincere. He's like, he goes, and he, I get what he means. He goes, he goes so, he's so comfortable in his skin. And I was like, I actually agree with, I, there's something, he's just very distinguished. Like if I wanted somebody to play the president in a movie or something, you know what I mean? Like he's just, he's, ter- but yet at the same time, tongue in cheek, which is funny because I'm not mistaken. I think in, is it, what movie is that? Oh, crap. He's playing Reagan in something. Damn it. Oh, really? Yes. Like what coming is, up? Yes, and I can't remember. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Oh, I don't okay. know. Okay. Hey, Jason, entertain the folks. You should be uh, used to uh, that. Uh, me first. Start, yeah. start, start <laughs> dance, tap dancing, because I'm going to type in the words, Bruce Campbell. Oh, I love No way, fa- man. Me first. Right. First, me first. Uh, burn notice. Astros Evil Dead. That's uh Fargo. Oh, he's doing oh, it's Fargo. It. It's two- Fargo. Thank you. It's Fargo yeah, the TV show. 2014. Yeah, they're yeah. Go- they're gonna do one that takes place in the 80s. Oh, sorry, late 70s, like 79, 80, like right during the election or right before the election. Right. And they're gonna. And he's playing. He's Reagan? playing Reagan. <laughs> It's awesome. and, and they did it. I mean, obviously, he has a much bigger chin than Reagan, but but they, yeah, they totally. Oh, it's great because I actually had some. And I'll tell you right now, if I could get my hands, if there's anybody out there, I will pay cash on delivery. <laughs> but please get it legally because I don't want to go to jail. Uh, but they had actual props they were showing of him on, like, I don't know if it was a fly, a button. I think it's like a, a button, you know, like, you know, it's morning in America or whatever, and it's it's the button of Reagan, but it's Bruce Campbell. I was like, oh my oh, god! So it's his image yes! on, on a voting button yes, for Reagan. something to that effect. <laughs> I about poop my pants. So that would be awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, if I if I if I find it, if I find it, I'll I'll send it to you. Actually, I just found it. I'm sending it to you. <laughs> Video. It's, it says it says Reagan for president, president, and then somebody added the word uh, Fargo. Under underneath the image, so I, uh-huh. I, I it's actually no, it's just a it's just an image. So I'm just I am texting that to you now. I can obviously edit this part out because nobody's going to give a crap about. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I just I just sent you the link. If you click on that article, scroll down, you'll see right. you'll see a button. It doesn't say anything other than I don't think it says it, it says Reagan for president and then Fargo FX. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's his picture. It's on. his picture. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice. So anyway, the point is that he has gotten very distinguished, and and I'm so used to seeing him 
that like how he looks now so then when i do go back and i watch one of these older films and it's been a while since i've even seen evil dead 2 but even like you point out in that he gets so messed up <laughs> yeah he i mean he's different. not clean cut he's not clean cut in the movie for uh, for long and then in maniac cop he's i mean that's the way he looks almost the way whole way through sure sure and, and there was another movie he did called running time and I think I've talked about it on the show before. Actually, in fact, I think back, yeah, yeah. back in the day when we'd have our movie picks and all that crap, we had to come up with six because apparently I was on some kind of quaalude <laughs> and thought I could. <laughs> hey, Jesus, let's come up with any crap ton of movie picks for people. Uh, yeah, it came out in 97. Every single episode. Yeah, every single episode. Uh, so yeah. running, running Time uh, 97 it, it was when that came out. And that one, he's, it's, it's a very serious role as well. It's one of those one single shot kind of movies where beginning to end, yeah. there's no cut. And he plays a yeah. guy just out of prison. So he's very serious in that as well. So, but yet you're not used to him yeah. doing that kind of role. So him being as young as he is being as serious, I almost forgot it was him. Like I, I truly, which I guess as an actor, that's kind of what you want people to do. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it threw me a little bit. And then the other person that I recognized and I wouldn't have had I not cheated a little bit and watched again some of the extras that were on the disc. But the one of the cops, when he's waiting downstairs for his girlfriend, she's up in the uh, the the one building and remember she went to confront the commissioner or whatever. And she ends up getting yeah, arrested yeah. And, and all that stuff. Well, one of the cops that grabs in the head, they're wearing almost like that SWAT type gear is uh, Danny Hicks, who we actually met at the same time we met Ted Raimi. He was not the gravel-voiced guy, Timothy Quill. He was the guy next to him, the one who was in Evil Dead 2 and played the redneck guy. He was one oh, of the yeah. cops that slammed oh. Mr. Campbell up against the, the truck there. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. he was such a nice guy, too, at oh, the... Yeah. Uh, spooky, uh, not uh, spooky empire. Yeah, it was a spooky empire that with that first year we went. Yep. So yeah, where we met really Shannon. Nice. Where we met Shannon. Now, let's keep this really old school. That's where we met Shannon. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And Bruce Campbell was at that. Yes, we, uh, got, we got within ten feet of him, but well. decided we. Well, I know I did. I decided to be a punk and not wait in a line of three hundred people. So so we walked over and shook hands with ham hands because there was nobody else at his table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, memories, memories. Good times. So so. Yeah, so I, I yeah, I, oh I oh I got to address this man. I got cuz you made the comment about caricatures and everything else. So, yep. here here's the thing, okay? I don't mind in a movie when there's a love interest, okay? I mm-hmm. don't I don't mind when said love interest is put in some level of jeopardy okay and i and i apply that to male or female so if the protagonist is a female and has a boyfriend and they're in in deep crap and they got to get him out whatever i'm cool with that i don't mind that trope yeah got it however when that love interest is also a cop please for the love of god when she comes across dead bodies don't have her scream like you know what i mean yeah she she, yeah it it was like she was a uh a high school teenage girl who was with her boyfriend and yes they went into the gym and there was a body and she freaked out and and i would would accept that i would accept that from the teenage girl (laughs) not a not a cop who is not only a cop in vice yes right so she's putting herself out there uh, in dangerous situations which can we please say this too New York City, 1988. She's undercover as a prostitute by herself. Now, I I know Jason, like myself, has watched enough episodes of Cops to know that when they do those things, there's about 80 other cops. 
and waiting in the wings so that that right. female officer <laughs> is not summarily executed by Psycho John. Yes. <sighs> in the car. Yes, this is true. And I love. Yeah. And by the way, I love. I love too. That I actually, I'll give him credit because they did the thing where the John in the car looks at her and says, "You know, hey, are you a cop?" She goes, "Oh, you asked the magic question." Now, again, watching cops, when people ask ah, that, and they, I know you, they don't have to answer that. Well, I think they, they have to be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you got me." They'll, they'll say something very like not a denial, <laughs> but it'll be no, sort of. They can completely deny it. Can they really? It is com- Yes, it is completely okay. within the law. I don't know about every single county and every and single sure, state. Maybe but New York, yeah, maybe New York City in 1988. Yeah, they could. Most know. most places, it, it they don't have to. But okay. um, yeah, I thought that was funny. I thought she was like, "Oh, you, yeah. all right, I'll let you off this time. Go home, you know." Yeah, yeah go down the go down the street and get an actual real hooker, <laughs> right? right. Um, and okay, so speaking of that, there was there was another reference in this that kind of jarred me out of it. It was. When they were talking in, I think they were in the precinct, and they were talking about this is something that they have to raise awareness. People are going to have to realize this is real. We've got to make this bigger than AIDS. Oh, yeah. I actually rewound that. <laughs> I, I, I said to my wife, because she was watching with me, I said, did he just say, we've got to make this big, right. you got to make this story bigger now, than AIDS? I get it. 1988, sure. New York City. So it was an epidemic. It was a sure. huge sure. Uh, part of uh, public consciousness. But it's strange because it's it's one of those things that's, a very not that AIDS in any way is sure, gone now sure, or any sure. less of an issue. It's a, it's a huge thing, but it's not uh, but as prevalent. It's prevalent a fear. It was thing. in every news yes. story. It every was time, in yeah. every, it, it was pervasive at the time. Yeah. Um, as was fear mongering about it, all this. So it was sure. just it, it penetrated all parts of the culture. It was strange because I feel like I haven't heard that said in a movie like that or like that. Yes, in so long, yes. it was just it, it, was, it like, was jarring. It was very it was uh? very of the time. It was it was very of <laughs> yes. the time. If he said it made it yeah. big, make it bigger than disco, it would have been about it. Like what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, of course, I guess in '88 that would have been really a dated reference, but still, uh, it would have been a little older. But it would have worked for uh, Tom Atkins because he would have been around for disco. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. And uh, now, add, adding into that scene, right? Because he's talking to this blonde journalist who's actually very, looks very similar. Now that I think about it, to Mr. Uh, Bruce Campbell's love interest, the other cop. If he had, if they had melded those two characters together because she's only i think in that uh, that and then they show her on tv a little bit later i think doing that report at the bar or whatever no they don't even they they play her doing the radio spot oh that's right it's yeah. like she she does a radio spot because someone's listening to the radio oh my favorite scene of the entire movie <laughs> Which, which was what? They're talking. They're talking about it on the radio about that there's some maniac cop and he's still out there and yada yada. And this old lady's car breaks down. Oh yeah. And her car is kind of gassed. You know, there's smoke coming out of it. And oh, her car won't start. She's in a bad part of town. And a cop car comes rolling up behind her. And it's just like every other scene we've seen so far, where maniac cop comes in and either except stabs it's, broad, it's broad daylight. So now, <laughs> it. it was it broad daylight? No, it was broad. It was like eleven thirty a.m. Yeah, it was like midday, right? So the cop and they play the scene just like it is Maniac uh-huh. Cop. They don't show his face. He's got the white gloves on. Which, by the way, point of clarification: cops don't wear those all the time. That is dress uniform yeah, only. I, so I, I figured that as well. That, well you know, oh, and and they use it when they want to check for dust. Yeah, right in right, yes, in a room yes. uh, where there's been a murder, right? So, um, but they play the scene where you can't see the cop. He's walking with that kind of slow, ominous gait. 
He comes over to the window. He knocks on the window with this nightstick. And old lady's like, you're not going to get me. Reaches in her purse, pulls out a gun, and blows his head off. Oh, brains come out of the back of his skull. Yes. It was probably the most graphic murder in it actually movie. was. I think you're right. That may be the only one more graphic may have been the beer kid only because when after he slits his throat, which you don't really see, it's kind of far away in front of the car. He throws his body into the windshield and then you can see the blood sort of cascading and still spray arterial but spray. You, but all of it was implied. Sure. You yeah. didn't see him actually gut someone. You never That's saw true. him actually. The only things you saw were when he was crushing people's necks, he would grab, you know, grab yeah. their neck and stuff. Yeah. But all the others were not very gory. Uh, except for the blood on the windshield, but you didn't see him like you didn't see his sure. neck exposed or yeah. his head cut off. Um, but the grandma, you see a long shot of the shot out of the car into the cop's forehead and brains splatting out the back of his head <laughs> yes, and him hitting the ground. And there's a space. Yep. <laughs> and I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I, I, I will also say that, and and I think this is again one of those little, eh, maybe I'm being nitpicky, maybe I'm not, but. I think because A, it's during the day. B, he pulls up in a car with the lights going. You, you as the audience member know full well it's not the maniac cop. I think that would have been a more shocking scene had it been at night. She breaks down. It would make perfect sense for panicking. He's walking because I mean, some cops do the foot patrol thing. So if he had been walking down the street, approach the car, because then we're going to think, Oh crap. Yeah. Here's another one. And then she goes, you won't get me and blast him and be like, what the? And then realize, Oh my God. No, it's this young kid cop. It's not a, it's not him at all. I actually disagree. I think it was more shocking as it was because I felt like it was completely telegraphed. I knew that was not Maniac Cop. The fact that they had this old lady and she was freaking out and they had the radio uh, news story kind of playing that that's what was going on. Um, And I knew it was going to be a regular cop. But what shocked me was that she she effing killed him. I mean, I thought she like peeled away or she screamed or she did something, maced him or – but the fact that she shot him between the eyes and dropped him and that was it, uh, that shocked me. And the, the funny thing was, I felt like this was kind of a, a, a disjointed piece, was that happened. The next scene is them kind of walking through the precinct, a couple of the detectives, and they almost was like, oh, great. Now we've got people killing police officers out there. Oh, like, what, are you, what are you going to do, Bob? I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was such an aside, like, great situations out of control someone just murdered like they they didn't seem to have any sense of real urgency like oh my god we've got to do something now this is out of hand this is we've got to talk to the people i mean there was none of that none of that it was just like hmm i was gonna ask you did you notice because i think you said you recognized him the captain that has a couple scenes with McRae, uh, the Atkins character. The captain is played by William Smith. Do you recognize him? Because there was something very specific. As soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, wait, that's the such and such from the such and such. He was the guy, the old grizzled guy. Um, was he the one that was in, uh, oh, God. He was the guy that wore the suit. He was the guy yes. that was with yeah. the commissioner. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Got uh, stabbed. Captain guy, yep. police captain. Um and they both dismissed. I, I can't recall what he was in. I want to say he was another police. Well, he's, he officer, he's like, played those types of roles before. Yes. But speci- actually, specifically, remember when you had uh, texted me about the fall guy and I thought you were talking about Maniac Cop? Yeah. I think I went through his filmography. And by the way, I think he did an episode, at least one episode of the fall guy. 
<laughs> Total quickening. <laughs> but but that aside, inside joke aside, uh, he the reason why I immediately recognized him, he is the Soviet. I think he's a general that shows up in Red Dawn, and he has that. He has that. They're all sitting in the seats, and he's like, hey, Rick the, the, the Wolverine. The Wolverine. Remember, he's like talking about the Wolverine and what type of animal it is and how vicious it is. That's him. He's the freaking. Is that really him? That's him. The second I saw oh, him, I was gee. like, that's the freaking. Soviet. I can buy that. Yeah. He oh, looks yeah. like he was that stern. Oh, wait, dude, in real uh-huh. life, you know what his IMDb thing starts with? Biker, bare knuckle brawler, cowboy, B girl fighter, vampire hunter. William Smith has done it all. <laughs> Now, I don't know how much of those are referring to real life real life versus because if you look at his pictures, I mean, back in the day, you know, homeboy was kind of ripped. And I'm talking about this is like, it looks like the image because he's like Atkins. age. Actually, I think he's older than Tom Atkins by uh, a couple of years. So he, you know, is in his early 80s as well. So he probably so, this pictures from the 50s and he's ripped in the 50s. So the important question here. What is a B girl fighter? I, I actually I googled it and I got nothing. I got I, yeah. I, that must be an actor. That must be one of his acting roles. I don't know what that's referring to. Right? Is anything like mud wrestling? Is that B stands for Bronco Ben's B and W base? All right. So, and of course, Richard Roundtree, Shaft, played the commissioner. Yep, yep. He was the guy that was his counterpart. Yes, and a uh, Lauren Landon. Or Laureen, maybe Laureen Landon. She was the cop slash girlfriend who, again, I just it's so funny because now we live in a time where for the most part, I mean, it happens every once in a while, but it happens far less. Thank God, where we have these movies where the protagonist has a love interest and during the moments of danger, she just turns inept or she starts screeching and it's like, yeah, just, she just, turns to jello. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a man ha- to save her. Yeah, yeah and, but that yeah. was, and they never, I mean, a couple of the, she got, I mean, she was at least clever enough to get out of some of the situations she was in on her own, which I liked, but overall, yeah. like just the whole screaming things, which I realize is not the actress's fault. She was told to do that, but yep. I, I just found it so like, really? Cause none of the other cops are yelling, but you, and they have probably less experience <laughs> than you do if you're vice. So I don't understand why the hell you're like, you almost like, uh, uh, uh what's her, uh, Hargitay, Mariska Hargitay from SVU. Oh, like, from SVU. Uh, yeah. Like, if, if she walked in and had a body and like, she'd be, ah, it's like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> Olivia's <laughs> not going to scream. Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I, that was my, old, that was my big beef with her. And then we have yet to say who played maniac cop himself. And honestly, this is yeah. really the, one of the few things I know him from. I mean, I know he had other credits, but. Right. Um, I remember him. The only thing, because I looked through his filmography, um, the only thing I specifically remember him from was he in Tango and Cash. Oh, that's um, right. He was uh, the bad guy, one of the bad guys in that, yeah. Yeah, because he has a pretty big jaw. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like Robert Zadar. And I think his real name is Robert Zadarsky. But I think he goes by Robert, who obviously went Robert by. Zadar. And he passed away yeah. uh, in what? Tw- Actually, was it the beginning this of this year? Yeah, it was March 30th of this yeah. year. Yeah. March this year. Um, but they didn't really show a lot of his face in this. Obviously, it was just his uh, his form. At the end, they played a little bit of his face that was all kind of messed up, but um, they didn't play a whole lot of that. So, um, but yeah, he was, you know, he was a big one. So there were a couple others that I, uh, a couple other things that I recognized uh, that I wanted to get some of your thoughts on. So I watched the credits, which I always find to be absolutely fascinating because especially with these older movies, there's things in there that you're like, what? <laughs> they had the music uh-huh. at the end, right? Uh-huh. So they played, um, 
all the credits for the people that did the music in this and the the main soundtrack was um oh gosh what's his name something chataway he did the main uh soundtrack for it yes but the, there, there were songs and i always look for performed by because i always like to make that kind of connection of oh somebody famous actually sang that they didn't mm-hmm. realize who it was there were at least and go back and watch the credits there were at least four songs on there sung by robert carradine as in one of the carradine brothers <laughs> yeah as in, uh, wait, as, in, as in lewis from revenge of the nerds robert carradine I didn't know, so I didn't look it up. I didn't do any details oh, on I, it. I, you keep talking. You keep talking about your thoughts on that. I'm gonna see if I can find it. Was it. Either, it was either Robert or David. Uh, I couldn't remember which one it was, but it struck me, and I was like, huh? um, "That's weird." That is weird. But uh, I didn't know if you'd kn- known no, anything about I that. Did, I did. I did. You could tell by my reaction. No, I had no <laughs> idea. Now Jay, Jay Chataway is who they have music by. That's yeah, that's who and, they credit. And he's the one that did. Um, He's the one that did the the score and all that. He did that. But the when you look at performed by uh, uh, the credits of Maniac Cop, performed by, there was a couple people who wrote it, a couple people who did that, but the actual um, yeah. singing, David Carradine. It was David Carradine. Whoop. That that would be awesome. <laughs> it is. It and it and when you click on it, it goes to his page. Oh, hold on. It is David Carradine. He sings. Ready? Walk the floor, composed by Michael Shanklin and uh, Tamila Jensen. Um, he sings "Hello Heartbreak," composed by Michael Shanklin and Tamila, nineteen eighty four, Silver Feather Music Publication. He sang that. "History Hall," a song from nineteen eighty seven. Oh no, that was just Gail Jensen. Let's see. So at least two of them. He did. Hello, heartbreak, and walk the floor. David Carradine. Wow. Kung Fu. But see, if David you think Carradine. about '88, though, his career, like his career, did, yeah, there was a lull there between Kung Fu and Kill Bill, that you know where he was. I mean, don't be wrong. I find movies like what was a Karate Cop, and oh, hey, he did an episode of The Fall Guy. Another connection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he did a lot. Although, and yeah, he was in. I saw. Oh, he was in. I saw what you did. Actually, we use that as one of our movie picks from way back when too. Uh, that was wow. when Robert Carradine played the psycho and the girls. Remember, they call up. They were doing prank calls. I saw what you did. I know who you are. And uh, oh, right, yeah, yeah. He yeah. Actually so was the psycho. Yeah, yeah, David Carradine has a credit for that. I don't know who he was in it, but Bird yeah. on a Wire. He was in Bird on a Wire. I mean, he's uh-huh. in a lot of stuff. I think it's smaller roles at that point. But yeah, Karate Cop, Battle Gear, Double Trouble, Human Target. Yeah, Animal yeah. Instincts. A lot, a lot of straight to video stuff. I think so. At, yep. By by the you know eighty eight, I could see him and um and you know Larry Cohen and that crew. You know maybe he but knew them and yeah. I, I just never would have put him no, as being never. a nope. singer. Nope, you know? me either. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, just struck me as because yeah, uh, no, I saw the credits and I'm like, is that the David Carradine? <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, or it's the other. Some, fa- it's the other famous David Carradine that sings, or s- some unfortunate up and coming singer who yeah. just happens. To have well, you can always name, tell because right? what they do is they, they they I think wisely use their middle initial. So it's no, it's like, David yeah. J. Carradine, D. William Carradine, yeah, yeah something like that, <laughs> right. something like that, Davy Carradine, <laughs> right? Or they just change the name altogether, right? Yes, exactly. Oh, well, that man. might be the way to go. So, was there any, was there any other credit related? Trivia? Uh, no, that was the other. The, the Carradine was the last. That was the end yeah. of my list. So, so, so I guess, I guess the the big question. Well, not question because we already answered that. But uh, so we both we both say this is worth remembering for various reasons. You know, horror fan, Bruce Campbell fan, uh, Robert Zadar fan. Actually, 
I will tell you, it, it makes me um, want to check out two and three to see if they get sure. gory or cheesier, you know, more ridiculous kind of fun horror. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure they know. went straight to video. I think this had somewhat of a theatrical run. They, I'm yeah. pretty confident, went straight to video. Certainly three did. did I'm, almost po- I'm almost positive it did. I don't remember those being yeah. in the theater. So... Um, but it makes me want to go at least watch them at some point, sure. you know? Oh, sure. Now, although, although interesting to note, they don't list them as video in Imdaba. M- and normally they will they'll put video next to it. Right, right. So they have Maniac mm-hmm. Cop, Maniac Cop 2 and 3. And now we need Uncle Sam. It says video next to it. That went straight to video. He did also yeah. did Relentless with Jed Nelson, which came out in 1989, where Jed Nelson plays a serial killer. And I actually remember liking that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't recall. And William Lustig is who I'm referring to as far as the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Who did gotcha. that? So, so yeah. So, uh, so any, any who? So, any final thoughts? Final words? No, this has been a blast. Uh, it's uh, it's great to be back. I know Spooky Flicks Fest is coming right around the corner too. So it was kind of nice to get warmed up by yep. uh, uh, watching a, Spo- a horror flick. So. Spo- spoiler alert! Because Jason might be returning. Well, which seems appropriate, actually. Jason will return. I am always a part of Halloween. <laughs> yes, of course you are. No, it's been, man, I've loved having you back. This is great. I, I missed you. I actually, uh, our, our mutual buddy, Peter, wanted me to let you know that he, he, he misses you and missed talking to you. He's like, I realize I haven't talked to Jason in so long. I was like, please, <laughs> I please don't kill me. Wait, it's not wait. my fault. <laughs> <laughs> we do still text every so often, and, and our families keep in touch because, uh, uh, his kids and my kids keep in touch, so we, we do every so often. But I have not talked to him in a yeah. while, so um, we'll have to make some time. Yeah, um, so he misses you. I can tell you that. As do that's I. That's awesome. And and, awesome. I, and I, I do appreciate you doing this, and I know I know you're a busy dude. But uh, it was great having you back, and I am looking forward to having you back for at least one, possibly more. Awesome. Over. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, any, any final, final words, Jason, before we uh, button this bad boy up? No, but I just, I'm going to have to go out there and find me a nightstick that has a samurai sword embedded in it just for those times, you know, when you're out and you see the kids with the beer bottles and it's like, um, it's time to go. Or or you have fish to clean. (laughs) Or you have fish to clean. Thanks for listening. And for even more retro movie goodness, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and feel free to leave a review. It helps more people find out about the show. And a special thanks to JV at YourSecretIdentity.com for all the fantastic music you've heard throughout this show. So swing on by ForgottenFlix.com where we've got great retro reviews, articles, games, tons of past podcast episodes and interviews, and more. <laughs> <laughs>